Welcome to the Introvertpreneur Podcast. Take a breath because you are in the right place and you can finally stop apologizing for being an introvert. I'm Tara and I've discovered how to thrive as an entrepreneur while being 100% true to myself. Now I want to help you do the same. In these episodes, you're going to find everything you need to build a successful service-based business so you can stop competing with extroverts and grow and market your business with ease. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of the Introvertpreneur Podcast. We are joined today by Dara, who is an absolutely incredible wizard at all things Google Drive, G Suite, productivity. And I'm so excited to have her as a guest today because I know from my membership, a lot of us struggle to be productive and get things in place that make us feel like we're being productive and producing what we want to produce. So welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. And I'm excited to connect with you as somebody who had very glowing things to say about what you've learned from me and fellow Canadian, which is always fun. Is this the moment when I introduce myself? (laughs) (laughs) I love connecting with fellow Canadians. It's and sometimes I, I forget that people are also Canadian. And then I'm like, oh, right. We're both in in Canada because usually there's there's a lot of U.S. in our entrepreneur space, I feel like. so. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well, the, the Canadians always stand out because there's like little unique things like converting currencies and I don't mm-hmm. know, other other. The not so fun part. <laughs> specificities. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like that, you know, U.S. dollars that land in my bank account convert to a, a higher rate in Canadian dollars. So that's that's a pretty convenient uh, side effect of being Canadian. And earning U.S. dollars, so that's a good point. Yeah, if it was the opposite, that would not be as uh, good of an experience when you convert. Yeah. So tell everyone listening, if anyone isn't familiar with you, a little bit more about you and kind of what you do, your background, who you work with. Yeah, for sure. So also, I've actually been in business um, for myself for almost as long as you have. Since 2006, I kind of inadvertently started a little bit of a virtual assistant business and eventually hired my own virtual assistants to assist me, to assist our clients. And throughout all of that, I went through all of the difficulties that most new businesses that don't know how to stay structured as they're growing, I went through all of those pains. And so I had my own series of learnings in terms of staying organized, digitally communicating with foreign and and virtual workers, and wanting to make sure that the experience for our clients was a really positive one. And so I created a lot of internal structure for that. I mean, it's more, it was more than a virtual assistant business, but for purposes of this explanation, I created a lot of that infrastructure based on my own intrinsic like organization skills and, and digital organization skills and knowledge about software programs. And when I decided that I wanted to start creating online courses, I was like, I want to teach people how to organize their files and stay on top of their inboxes. And I needed to find a way that that would appeal (laughs) because as a marketer, obviously I want people to be organized, but it's hard to sell. Like it's people need some kind of motivation. It's not as juicy when you're selling something like get organized and how important it is when you compare it to something that's like make money, create all of your content. Yeah. And make money in the next 90 days. Exactly. And so I realized that in all of those years, I had been using certain software and Google suite 
with Gmail and Google Drive and Google Calendar and even just Chrome as a web browser, all of those things I had been really using them at a very high level. And whenever somebody I would work side by side with someone or work over their shoulder virtually, they would be shocked at how organized or efficient or all these things. And I was like, this is obviously something that I take for granted. And so when I slapped Google onto the teachings that I wanted to share, everybody raised their hand. Oh, I need that. I need that. And so I launched a course two and a half years ago that basically teaches like the entire suite of the Google products. And I have over 4,000 students as of now. And it's very, very popular. And I know that's one of the ways in which we've connected in the past. And so that's kind of my backstory is like, I started off as a business person, but some, a lot of people are like, how did you learn this? I'm like, well, I just used it. And then when I went and I wanted to teach, I just knew it so well that I found myself able to. So I've also learned a lot from uh, not only from the research that I've done in order to teach it thoroughly, but also the questions that I receive from students have helped me expand my understanding and knowledge of how, how it all works over the last couple of years. So I waffle between the alliteration of Google guru, Google goddess, and just like all around Google tools expert. <laughs> so that's me. I knew like when I first, I don't know how I first learned about you, whether it was through Lizzie or what it was, but Dama I, yeah, it could have been Dama. I know um, when I first like saw that you liked friends and using friends references, I was like, this is my person. This is like my type of people. I'm obsessed with friends. And I love that you kind of incorporate that into like your sales pages and making it feel more fun. Cause I mean, organization does not feel fun to me, but <laughs> you, you make it fun and make it easy, especially in your course. It's like, it's super easy to follow. So even somebody who doesn't like tech or isn't super techie, I feel like they can they can do it a lot easier with your course and how you teach. Thank you. That's I appreciate that. And you know, it's funny that you bring up friends because I actually feel that Monica Geller really helped me own some of my personality traits. And I can I can see these like snapshots of the little things that the writers of Friends infused into that series over 10 seasons, like when she comes out of the bathroom and says, I've straightened your shower curtain so you won't get mildew. <laughs> and where she's like vacuuming her vacuum with a little vacuum, like that is so me. <laughs> and those little quirks that we all laugh at on television, I can relate to personally. And it made me feel like I wasn't such a weirdo. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I always think of the one uh, where she like labels all the photos. Yes. And, and then, then they drop. Yeah, that would just crush me and doing all that work. But yeah. Yeah. Well, thankfully, I'm the Monica Geller in the digital age. So any kind of labeling doesn't require a box. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I, I think like so many people are thinking about like when it comes to organizing your business or organizing your files, it just it feels so overwhelming at first. So what do you think are the first tips or best things for somebody who's just getting started and is like, I've been doing this for five years and everything's a disaster. And I just, I don't even know where to start. Well, I'm really happy that you asked this question first, because this is honestly like the starting point of everything. And what I find is that most people who are trying to get organized think they need to clean up their backlog and they need to organize their past in order to move forward. And if you can forgive yourself of all past messes 
And just think of yourself because, you know, as we, as we create our businesses, it's basically like living in a tiny shack and adding on additions and the whole cohesiveness of like this little house that you started off with now has like 17 different rooms that are all connected and it, it's very messy. And it's like, if you could just tear it all down, but then rebuild based on what you now know. So, you know, as we grow our businesses, we're constantly just like, oh, I have this and we like add it on. And we didn't set up the infrastructure in the first place. So what I ask my students to do, and even, I mean, anybody that I'm talking to, so this is perfect timing, is what do you need today? If you had no history, if you were starting your business today, what file and folder structure would you like? How would you name things? What what big buckets would you have inside of your chosen file storage facility like Google Drive? And set that up from who you are now and don't look back. Don't go and say, it's not like you need to clean the mess in order to create the, the the environment that you want to live in. So you create this new, let's let's just use the example of Google Drive. So let's say your files are a complete disaster. Take all of them and shove them in a folder so that it feels clean. And then create the folder structure you want to use based on who your business is today and what you now know and all of the experience that you've had and recreate it. And then, you know, in a separate window, open up that folder that's full of all of your mess and say, what am I actively working on that I need right now? And pull that forward to your new system and leave the mess there. Leave it for a rainy day. Maybe you're never going to get to touch it. Just a little sidebar, but I scanned in 2015, I scanned the rest of my papers and then I never named them. I left them in a folder. I had everything scanned, all the receipts in case I got audited but I never took the time to rename them. I had it on my one day, I'll do this list, but it was clearly not a priority and I never needed any of them. And because in Canada, we only need to keep things for seven years, on December 31st of 2022, I was like, I can go on a deleting spree and de <laughs> and I never had to put in the work to deal with it. And so the reason I say shove everything into this folder is maybe organizing it is just a make work project. And so the conclusion, the, the short answer to your question is, just build a structure moving forward and then start using it and see how you like it. And then pull forward anything that you need that's, that you're actively working on from your old mess and put it away in the new clean structure. That is brilliant. Yeah, that that makes total sense because I feel like sometimes when we try to go back and look at the past mess, it's just so overwhelming. So we don't do anything. <laughs> exactly. That's why most people don't get started. Yeah, that's a really good idea because I know I've I've seen some stuff about like here's how to organize everything and which is good, but they don't tell you that that you should start anew and then as you access old stuff, like bring it into the new organized, beautiful folder system that you've created. Yeah, like imagine if you had imagine if you built the house of your dreams with all of the closet organizers and drawers and every kind of imaginable way of organizing things and you built that house next door to your house and you just leave your old house behind you bring over the things you like and you leave everything that you don't like at the old house and then every time there's something that you're like oh I could use this whatever it is you bring it into your new house and you put it away in its in its proper place and everything that you don't need just stays next door and then you just it's easy to access because it's right next door it's just in a file folder and and then you live your life based on this nice, new, neat and tidy. Like you feel like a whole renewed person. And also when something is tidy and clean and aspirational, we like to keep it that way. And so it begets like continuing with that new habit. 
Yeah, we we like to keep it that way and it's easier, so much easier to keep it that way once it's that way. I wish moving houses was actually like that where you could keep your old house and do it slowly. Yeah, sadly, sadly, uh, housing prices do, don't allow yeah. for that kind of hoarding of homes, but but the concept is a, a, a visual that people can usually relate to. Yeah, it's a really good visual. So what would you say is your favorite, or if you can't pick just one, um, maybe a couple of your very top favorite Google hacks that are super simple and and easy to do. And I know you have a bazillion. So. I do. I, do. <laughs> I have a, a document called the top 40 time-saving Google hacks you'll wish you'd been using all along. And I know that Tara is going to link to that at some point soon. But from that, there's a few things that come to mind. One of them is actually in Chrome. So within Google Chrome, what I find is that the default setting where when you download a file, whether it's like a right-click save as, or it's an attachment in an email, the default setting is to just dump it into your downloads folder. And then the downloads folder just becomes this giant pile of things that needed to be filed and things that you've dealt with and, and are done with. But because that's all mixed together, and because when you download something, then you have to pick it up and file it properly, I find that people's downloads folder are just a hot mess or your desktop, like wherever it is. And so this tip applies to Google Chrome, which is just that you can change it to ask you where you want to save a file. So you just go into your three dots and you click on settings. And in the settings search, you just type in downloads. And then there's a little toggle and you turn it on and it says, ask me where to save every file. And while usually I prefer fewer clicks in this one instance, when you turn that on, when you go to save something, it will pop up and say, where do you want to save this? And this is your opportunity to put it in the right place in the first place. And so this usually drastically changes people's perception of, because when it just gets saved in the downloads folder, most people are not proactive enough to then file it. But this pop-up prompts you and says, hey, do you want to do, do your future self the kindness of putting this where it belongs so you can find it again, as opposed to people who download things over and over and over again? And it actually leads me to an, a, side, a side tip that isn't specifically Google related, but I was working with somebody who's on a Mac. I happen to be a PC user, but she was showing me how whenever she takes a screenshot, it saves that screenshot on her desktop. And then her desktop is littered with things that she doesn't even need to see anymore. They were just temporary screenshots she was using to upload here or paste there. and But it's like full. And so what we found was within the Mac, and I don't remember exactly how to do this, but you can actually prompt your, your screenshot to put it in a specific folder. And so we created a folder called screenshots. So now instead of her desktop being littered with stuff and screenshots, now the screenshots were landing in the screenshots folder. So it's little things like that. It's like, what are the what are the tiny changes you can make now that eventually help you it down the line? So my, you know, we asked for one tip. One of them is so simple, just the downloads in Google Chrome. Another one is actually something that comes up quite often, which is that a lot of people use multiple Google accounts and they sign into all of those accounts, but they don't necessarily sign into the accounts in a particular sequence. And so what happens with that is let's say we'll use business, personal, and junk mail as three accounts that you sign into all the time in your web browser. And if you sign into your personal, then your business, then your junk mail, and you click a link to a Google Drive file, you don't have control over which one of those three accounts that link lands in. So there's two things that you can do to mitigate this. Um, and, the, and the other thing as well is that if you ever create any bookmarks to your calendar or to your Google Drive or to your Gmail inbox or to 
a label in your Gmail inbox if you want to get like extra. Those don't work if you change the order that you've signed in to things as. So if you sign in personal work, junk, and then the next time you sign out of everything, you sign in work, personal, junk, then the bookmarks suddenly take you to the wrong Google account. And so I get a lot of people who are like, how do I deal with this? And so there's a couple of different options. The most clean option is actually to use Chrome profiles. And so that is you sign into a separate profile, a separate set of Chrome windows when you're signed into your personal Gmail and a separate one for work. I like to separate it like this is the hat that I'm wearing right now as I'm, work I'm working on personal things. And all of my personal bookmarks and personal email and personal tabs are all open inside of Chrome and it's separate. And that works well for me because I do volunteer work for a not-for-profit and it has its own Chrome profile. And so when it's closed, I'm not thinking about it. It's not nagging on me. It's not a series of tabs that are open and waiting for me to get back to them. Um, and that also saves you from saving things in the wrong Google account by accident or to the wrong calendar. Because there's all, all kinds of times when you click like add to calendar. And then what if you want it on the personal calendar, not the business calendar, and then it causes complications. So that's one of the easiest ways to deal with it. And the second way is actually just to always sign into your accounts in the same order. So if you always sign into personal first, then business, then junk, then any bookmarks that you make that are related to your calendar or your Google Drive or your Google Files or your inbox or your labels in your inbox, all of those will work as long as you always sign in in the same sequence. So either you're like truly separating it, segmenting your Google accounts by Chrome profile, or you make a point of signing in and you could you can mix and match. I sign into three different Google accounts on one Chrome profile, and then the other Chrome profiles have each their own. I hope this is not too complicated for, for this tip, but I just, I think it makes a massive difference for people being able to stay organized. That's a really good tip because I know I have the, my personal and that my personal business. And then I also have the team account, which is like support-based, the Google Drive that has like everything. So I have to flip between all the time when I click a Google Doc link or a Google Sheet link. And then I'm like, oh, I'm in the wrong one, flip it. Yeah. And that's how things get lost. And I, you know, at the end of the day, the productivity comes from staying focused and not getting distracted with frustrations like, where is this thing? Where did I save that file? And then you divert from whatever task you're doing for 10 minutes looking for or feeling frustrated by not being able to find the thing you're looking for. And so one of the things that I, I like to focus on is like, how can you keep yourself in your lane and stay on task? And what can you do to reduce the distraction of loss of time? Because it's not just the time it takes to find the thing. It's when there is a frustration attached to it. It's when there's a distraction attached to it. And that's where I find the productivity falls off. Certainly for me, like if I, like how many times do you go looking for something and then the next thing you know, 20 minutes has gone by and you've forgotten what you were starting. <laughs> it's like when you open your phone to find something, you like, oh, I need to grab, I don't know, text my friend. And instead you see seven notifications and then you forget why you picked up your phone in the first place. So we're trying to mm -hmm. like reduce that amount of distraction within our day-to-day, -day, our workday, basically. I love that. Yeah. Those are some really amazing, amazing hacks. And yeah, we'll have the link for your free resource. Definitely go grab that 40 time saving hacks. And yeah, because they're all amazing. They're all like 
just like that. Like they're going to make such a difference and aren't super hard to implement. Yeah. The way that I like to see it is there's a couple of things. One is every time you adopt a new little time saver, it grows exponentially in terms of its benefit to you. So, you know, you could say to yourself, oh, I don't have time to learn 40 things. Well, go and look at it and pick one thing and do that one thing differently. Like pick one thing that appeals to you, do that one thing better. And then it's going to be this unconscious habit and you'll just know how to do it better. And it will save you time over and over again. And then you come back and you pick a second thing. And I promise not all of the tips are Chrome related. There's tons of them. How to make sure your email signature shows up in the right place and how to open a new doc in a, with a shortcut. And like, there's just, it's a whole a whole long list, mm-hmm. but I chose the ones that I found made the light bulb go off for most people the best. And the other thing I want to say is that a lot of times knowing what you can do is enough of an epiphany. Like you don't have to remember how to do something. You just have to know that it's possible because you know that saying, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like that applies to tech all the time. And it's like, if you didn't even realize it was possible to tell Chrome to ask you where to download your files, it would never have occurred to you that this is a cause of the problem of the clutter in this folder or why things don't get filed. But now that I've told you that, even if you don't remember how to do it, I explained it, but like, even if you didn't retain that part and you just retained that it was possible to do it, you can go and Google it. So the more you learn about what you can do, the easier your life becomes because you get to ask the questions like, oh, how do I do this thing that I know I can do? That's a really good point. Yeah, because I find like most tech is like that, but especially the Google suite. I feel like there's so many hacks and things that are possible, but we just don't know that they're possible. Exactly. That's where I come along. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about email because that's something that I, I definitely struggle with. I know I have a, I, I think I have a product from you on, on email in your inbox, but I haven't had the time to go through it yet, but I really need to because yeah, my inbox is, is a challenge most, most days. So Let's talk about inbox zero and what that means, what the benefits are. Sure. Let's put zero in quotes because I don't think that, you know, the people, I'm going to use a house reference again, but, you know, it's all fine and good to have your house looking like a staged home with everything, all of the knickknacks appropriately dusted and placed. And, but that's not how we live our day to day lives. So while I'm going to give you a kind of, quick way to get to inbox zero and why you would even want to strive for that. I use zero loosely because while it's a coined term, inbox zero, but realistically, there's always going to be, you know, one to 50 emails that are waiting for you to deal with them in some capacity. And that's okay. What we want, I believe, in striving for a more streamlined inbox is that you don't want to miss anything that you need. So that's number one priority is you don't want to miss anything that you need. And the number two priority is that you want it to kind of stay action oriented. Like you don't want things in your inbox that you don't need to deal with. If you don't need to deal with it, and this is what I find beautiful about the Gmail webmail experience is it shocked me that that this is something that people don't know. But so I, I apologize if you know this, but I'm certain that the listeners, um, there's going to be somebody who's going to be like, oh, is that how that works? Is you can archive your emails. And all that archiving does is it just takes it out of your inbox, but that email still lives in your all mail and it still lives in the search results. So you're not deleting anything. And so you literally could have, like I've been using Gmail since 2005 and every client I've ever done anything for 
I could go and I could search through my emails for their name or their name and other keywords or their name and other keywords and, you know, and anything that has an attachment. I recently had a realtor come to me and say, do you have photos of such and such a a home that I sold in 2011? (laughs) And I did have them. So, you know, the, the, the search function, but it wasn't living in my inbox, right? Like you definitely don't need this stuff sitting around. Once you're done with it, you can archive it. So the exercise that I walk people through, and I have a freebie up on my website that shows you this. It's like a 10 minute video. Probably the exercise will take you 20 minutes in total. And it basically says, go through your inbox and see what still needs to be dealt with. Like things you need to respond to or things that you're still in the middle of. Like there's always going to be that stuff. You know, it's not everything. It's not like a customer service inbox where like once you reply, you're done with it. Like sometimes there's just mm-hmm. stuff that's that's ongoing, right? So if you could take all of the things that are ongoing that you still do need to see and deal with and you shove it in a little folder, we can call that folder clean inbox. We take all the things so you just scroll through like one or two or three or four weeks worth of emails and you take those emails that do still need your attention. You put them in its own little clean inbox folder. And then you select all and you archive everything else. And I can't tell you, I'd say like probably 80% of the people whose shoulders I look over, they don't archive their emails and they have tens of thousands of messages in their inbox. And that's not technically a problem because it's not like you don't have the storage capacity, but the problem comes from then what if you miss emails that you need? What if there's something that comes through and and you miss seeing that? So very similar to what I said, like kind of start start fresh with a new system, reaching inbox zero in the way that I'm describing will give you that clean slate feeling. And that helps motivate you because like when there's 17,000 messages, the motivation to like unsubscribe one by one is quite low or to even think about dealing with this. You can only put like a tiny dent in that. So it's like, exactly. why even bother? Exactly. So with all of the things that you do need to deal with over hiding in this little clean inbox folder, now you go and you select absolutely every email. And when you click the box in the upper left, there's a little line like it's just in plain text underlined in blue. And it says select all 17,000 messages in the inbox. And you click that and then it selects all of it. And then you hit archive. And when you do that, it might take a while. Like literally, if there are tens of thousands of messages, this won't happen in an instant. It might kind of slow your web mail down for a few minutes. But when it finally clears and the inbox is empty, and again, tiny tiny sidebar, some people who have lots and lots of messages might have to do this archive all like two or three times until it's actually empty, especially if you get impatient and you start doing other things in your inbox and then it forgets <laughs> what it where it where what it's doing. And then you take those emails that are in that little clean inbox folder and you just move them back into the inbox. And now all that's in the inbox today, right now, are the things you need to deal with. And from this moment, that's when you start to decide, what am I going to do with new emails that come in? And for those of us who get, you know, dozens or hundreds of emails a day, you have to decide, how am I going to make sure that I keep the inbox kind of protected as like an action-oriented space and hide everything else away until I want to look at it? And I hate to say this as as a person who does send out email marketing, but I use the promo tab for that. So I activated the promo tab in email and I just, all of the newsletters that I'm on, they go there and I do look at it, but I don't want it in the inbox where all of my action oriented, task related, response needed, I must deal with, uh, bills I need to pay, whatever, all of those things stay in the inbox and everything else stays in the promo tab. Are you going to edit that part out also as an email marketer? (laughs) No, I love that. I'm like, 
Because I, I, what I tried doing is I turned that promo and so I just have the one inbox. But what I tried to do is like any email that needs an action, I will mark as unread. And then I have it sorted by the unread mm-hmm. at the top. But I still, I feel like there's too much volume. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. I used to be that way. And then I joined some bundles and signed up for some, you know, a lot of things. And so now I do get a lot of promotional email. And the reality is, is that, yes, I could go and unsubscribe, but I don't want to. I actually do want to see what people are out there emailing about and promoting. And I like to see what catches my eye. Like what in this list of 50 emails that I received since the last time I looked in this promo tab draws my attention because actually that's valuable information for me as someone who likes to write emails that get get attention, like what irritates me, what interests me. And and then I can also kind of behave accordingly or, or like mm-hmm. market accordingly as well. And the, the danger with the mark is unread or like leaving things unread is that if I accidentally do read something, then it kind of disappears and I don't necessarily want it to disappear. So I prefer the everything in my inbox and I have a promo tab for, and the reason I like the promo tab, because you can also filter. But if you were to create a filter for the hundreds of email newsletter lists that you're on, like that's a lot of work. And this is like all one step and there's no, like it doesn't make your filters list really, really long. But I do have filters on for things like Stripe and, and PayPal um, payment notifications. When they come in, they get a payment label. So I have certain automations that will automatically label things. If anybody's working with clients, one of the things you could do is every time you have a new client, you could set up a filter that says, if this is from or to this email address or these email addresses, you can have more than one email address, attach that client label to it. And that way it'll stand out in your inbox as communication with a particular person or relating to a particular project. That's a really good idea. Yeah, I think the only automation I currently have set up is um, because I set up a few freebies in Thrivecart. I was like, I can't like stand these $0 for bundles and stuff. So I have a filter set up for any Thrivecart purchase confirmation email that has a $0 mention. It automatically gets marked as red. (laughs) So at least those get out of my Yeah, well, and if you mark it as red and you also check off skip the inbox then it will archive those emails immediately. So it won't contribute to the volume that lives in that inbox. That's a good idea, yeah. Similar, but be, and, and I'm sure that you're doing it that way because of the way that you segment your inbox, but skip the inbox is essentially just archiving. And I do the exact same thing. I get lots of $0 Thrivecart notifications. And I, I actually don't even need to see any of the Thrivecart transactions. I prefer to see the Stripe and PayPal ones. So those are the ones that I see and I let the other ones all skip the inbox. And it's all there for me to search. So if I get some kind of customer service inquiry, I can go and search by name or by email address. And I have all of those notifications stored in my archives. And there was something else that I was going to say about, uh, oh, the automations is you can also set something to automatically forward. So you can set up, like, I'll just give you a couple of examples that have come up recently. But yesterday, my assistant went and sent out some Zoom reminders and she had trouble logging into Zoom because it needed a one-time passcode from me that was being sent to my email address. And so I set up a filter where when from this Zoom email address and has the subject, your one-time passcode or whatever it happened to be, then forward it directly to her so that I don't have to be online. She can do it in the middle of the night. I don't have to be online when she's 
trying to access Zoom. And if in a month when she goes to send out reminders of my office hours again, that will get to her automatically. And another example is my husband and I share an Amazon account. And so any emails that come in from Amazon, my email account forwards it directly to him, which only means that we can't secretly buy things for each other <laughs> on Amazon. But but it's a very convenient thing because then we both have records of every, whether he buys something or I buy something, we both get that email. So there's no forwarding required. That's brilliant. Like I, I, that would be perfect for, I know I've had to a few like intensive clients where I've needed access to their convert kit, like convert kit is the two factor. And like, you have to click on the email, the link in the email within 30 minutes from my computer. It, it doesn't give you a lot of back and forth time. So if I could have the client set that up yeah. first, and then yeah. I wouldn't have to like do it at a set time or bother them. And that is genius. <laughs> another, another example is that when I, there was a, a, an element to my business where we would receive an order form. So the person would fill in an order form and then they would pay for something. And the order form and the payment were connected to each other. And my assistant didn't have access to my Stripe and PayPal, which I didn't want her to have access to. She also didn't have access to my accounting inbox. So what I set up was a forwarding. So basically if an email comes in saying, you know, Stripe purchase for such and such a product, forward it to, and it would land in her inbox. So then she was able to match the order forms and the payments, make sure that it was paid for without ever having to access my banking or payment infrastructure. So anything that you can set up as a filter, you could set up to skip the inbox or forward or both. When you start, it just kind of ties back to what I was saying, like you don't know what you don't know. So as soon as you start to see the potential, as soon as you start to see all the possibilities, then it's like, oh, now that I know I can do this, what are the use cases in my world? And I, at the beginning of this year, I actually started a document of like ways to be kind to my future self. What can I do today that will save me time and frustration later? And I started writing them down because I wanted to make a point of not skimping on that time because it's so easy to say, oh, I don't have these five minutes right now. But if I spent five minutes now, I would never have to do it again, or I would save myself five minutes every single time in the future. And so I started writing them. I started like documenting it out, out of motivation for me to see how valuable it was for me to pause, do the thing that helped me save time in the future. And it's been really great because now I don't have that resistance anymore because it's almost like writing it down on that list was a reward to myself as to the ways that I was like making my future life better which I think ties into the, the one of the next questions that you have that you, the one that you mentioned before we started recording. So if you want to transition to that question. <laughs> okay, sure. So yes, tell us about why we shouldn't be night guy. Okay. So Tara asked me this question. She was like, does this make sense to you? <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to explain. So basically Jerry Seinfeld has this comedy bit and the comedy bit is about night guy and morning guy and how much morning guy hates night guy because night guy, you know, doesn't do his laundry or forgets to shave or, you know, basically screws over morning guy because morning guy always has to pick up after night guy who's like, I'll stay up late. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll get this done. And then night guy does nothing and morning guy suffers. And I, my husband and I joked for years before I ever created this course, we always talked about night guy and morning guy. And it's like, do you put gas in your car at the end of the day? Yeah, you put gas in your car. So in the morning, that's not one of the things that you have to do. And there's so many things that we can do in our day-to-day -day lives. And so the reason that, that this specific night guy thing comes up is because 
I put the 45 second Jerry Seinfeld clip in my course. Like I took the YouTube clip and I like put it in my <laughs> video interrupting and it's like him explaining about, uh, he, he's doing his comedic shtick, but it's so relevant because how many times do we say, I'll get to that later and then later comes and it becomes frustrating. And so what are all the little things that we can do? How can we start seeing our day-to-day lives in such a way where doing something now actually saves more time? And I'll give a great example. This is I, this is silly, but it always comes to mind. It's like you have a knife or a pizza cutter from cut, you know, you, you, make, you make pizza or you order pizza at home and you cut the cheesy pizza with your knife. And then you let the cheese congeal on the knife. And how long does it take to wash that knife <laughs> when you finally go to wash it? You have to run the hot water. You have to heat up the metal. You have to wait for the cheese. You have to scrub it. If you wash it right now, it takes you three seconds to wash that thing. I, I realize people have dishwashers, but just go with me for this illustration. <laughs> but so you go and you wash it and it takes three seconds right now. And it would take me 60 seconds later when I have to let the water heat up and all of these things, right? So what are the little things that you could do now or today that won't will either take the same amount of time now than later, but will save you frustration later? Or what are the things that you can do now that save you time and like that save more time later? And one of those things is putting your files where they belong in the first place or not cluttering up your inbox. You know, if you look at something, just be honest with yourself. Am I actually going to get back to this? Am I actually going to do the thing that this, the call to action in this email? And if the answer when you are really, really honest with yourself is no, then don't add it to the pile of things that you'll never do. Just archive it. And I I had this epiphany once where I was like bookmarking articles that I wanted to read. And like the end of the year came and I hadn't read a single one of them. And the bookmark (laughs) folder was full of all these things that I was like, you know, I'm just going to delete the whole thing. And it was so freeing. And so what I'm trying to impart is like, just don't add the clutter in the first place. Like be honest with yourself. And don't be night guy. Do the things now for morning guy. Like how often Mm -hmm. do I go, like I set my alarm or like I'm going to go to the 7 a.m. gym class. And if I've set my clothes out, I'm so much happier in the morning. And it was like no more time on either end, but it changes the experience. And so if you start seeing things through that lens, it can make a huge difference in your productivity. That's um, yeah. I know I shared with you um, before we went live about my podcast guest automation. I'm like, I've been telling myself I need to fix this. I need to go fix the automation because now I'm having to follow up and send the like grab go into Airtable, grab the form link because I don't have it saved anywhere. And I could have just saved myself and my guests so much time by going in and fixing the automation. <laughs> well, hopefully this will be the the fire under under you just to say. Like, as you say, it saves you time. You don't have to think about it. And then if you just make that decision, like I was saying, I started that list, like suddenly just having the list and being able to add, I chose to do this thing and I added it to the list. Like that was the the validation that I needed to and the motivation. And it it has been perpetual. And I keep I keep doing things to make my life better. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of text expander. You ever heard of it or used it? No. It's It's an application that runs on your computer. It costs like, I don't know, 40 or $50 a year, but basically it, it turns keystrokes into whatever. So like if I type on my keyboard, um, I use the plus, but I wouldn't necessarily uh, recommend that people do this, but I use plus as like the start of it. So I go plus and then the words D-A-T-E, so plus date, and it populates on my screen, it populates directly as the date, year, month, day. Or if I type 
plus CD, it goes, cheers, comma, enter, Dara, smiley face. <laughs> and that's like a small version, but like if I have, um, oh, hex codes. So it's like plus teal, because teal is one of the brand colors. Well, it populates with my teal hex code. That's awesome. So rather than having to go find it and copy it and paste it, if I do plus red, then it takes my hex code of red. Oh, you talking about hex codes. Oh, they've been my, the bane of my existence this week. Like, I'm going to give you a Google tip. That's, this is obviously I'm talking about text expander, but here's, do you ever use Google Keep? Not really. No. Okay. I so haven't. Google Keep is a note-taking app and you don't have to use it for everything, but you could use it for this. So basically it pops out in the sidebar and you can have it show in the sidebar of like your email of your, any of the Google products. So show, show in the sidebar of your calendar, and then you pin a note and then put all of your brand colors. So your fonts, your hex codes, like whatever you use, you can have notes for each of your clients or whatever. So it's almost like it's just right there at your fingertips. Mm. So, and I shared that with my assistant as well when she started doing work for me. So it's like, we have this note and the note lists all the hex codes right there. So you could just copy and paste if you're not using something like text expander. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I'm going to do that. Cause I know like right now I have, I, I thought I was being smart, like setting up each thing with its own brand kit in Canva. But now I'm like, now I need to switch back and forth to grab the hex codes for the right thing that I'm working on. So if I could just have them all like in text somewhere, it would be so much easier. Yeah. Well, and text expander is really fun for that. And I just want to circle back because I've only used these examples for like short snippets, but I'll use it for, let's say my husband is a photographer. And if I, if I, I do his invoicing, And so when we put like the disclaimer that says, you know, these photos are only to be used, blah, blah, blah. We have like a paragraph that's written, but it's on my text expander. So I just type in like plus RT list for listing. And then it populates if if he works for a realtor. And so it populates like a few paragraphs, but it's like, rather than me having to go find it, open that file, copy, paste. Now it's like right on my fingertips to do it. So all of these things add up, you know, if we could summarize this conversation. What I could, if I could impart this to anybody, is just all of these little things add up. And it's so easy to dismiss not doing the little things that help us in our day to day lives. And if you could actually just change that mentality to one of like, what can I do now that will save me time later? And you just layer those on top of each other, then all of a sudden life becomes easier and focus becomes better and distraction gets reduced. And then we're more productive. I love this. So many people are going to get so much from this because I know like I I, I talk about productivity a lot, but I'm more about like the automations and repurposing, batching, those kinds of things. Whereas like the the nitty gritty hacks and tips, especially with Google Drive and G Suite, like you are the queen (laughs) and um, have so much knowledge to share and I can't recommend your course enough. So everyone go check that out. I'll have that in the show notes. So you can grab the 40 time saving hacks freebie and then check out the course as well and everything else that Dara has to offer. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the endorsement, but also it's always fun to have a conversation because I, as you can tell, I can can probably hear in my voice, like I just nerd out over these sorts of things. So (laughs) the more people that I can impart with this enthusiasm for something so geeky, the happier I am. I love that. Yeah. So many people get so much from this and I, I will say like, your course, even before I got it, I heard so many good things about it from other people that I was like, I've been using Google Drive. Like, am I going to learn that much? And then I got in there and I'm like, 
it's like you said, you don't know what you don't know. Like I was totally blown away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was amazing. Was there anything else you wanted to share? Any final thoughts or tips? No, not at all. I think just go into anything that you're learning with an open mind. And there's always going to be, whoever you are today is always going to hear a new version of the same thing. So even if I'm telling you something you may have heard previously, it doesn't mean that it won't land differently or inspire you in a different way this time around. And yeah, I'm excited to, I'm excited to be shared with your with your audience, because I know everybody is always raving about what you bring to the design world. And so I'm really happy to to be able to participate in making your designers and your clients' lives better. Yeah, thank you so much. And I'm definitely going to, um, I, I took a lot of notes during our interview today. So fantastic. I definitely have a list of things that I'm going to do and you've inspired me to go do them. So thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. This episode may have ended, but there are ways we can stay in touch until next time. You can join me at thetarareed.com, where you can find tons of blog posts and resources that will also help you grow your business. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at introvertcoach, where I share more introvert-friendly and service-based business tips with you. If you love what you're hearing, drop a five-star rating and review telling me what you are loving about the podcast so that I can continue to encourage as many introverted entrepreneurs as possible. Until next time, keep using your introvert superpowers.